Good morning and welcome back to the grinder. We've got the dolphin with eyebrows is out and he's at the beach as most dolphins do. Um, but we do have a wonderful guest that decided to step in and take care of business when James could not and fell short. This man never does, even though he is weak. Um, his name is Tim, the Moab Stout. He is in the building. He's in the house. And uh, what's up, Tim? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So uh, many people don't know this, but you and I are somewhat friends. Acquaintances. Acquaintances. We know yeah. each other for a little bit of time now. And uh, we've done a few podcasts together. You've been on this one. I've been on yours. We've been rocking and rolling. Um, and today we're going to focus on real estate, right? Both of us being somewhat professionals and knowing the business. Um, there's a few things that are going on with the real estate market as of right now. And there's a lot of question marks around what's going on. And we're going to see if we can clear some of those up. So to start us out, there's going to be a few different topics that we're going to touch, right? Um, what do you want to focus on first? Uh, I think the biggest topic in real estate right now is the media trying to spin everything like it's going to crash. Mm -hmm. Yep. And we both know the media gets paid for clicks and advertisements. The more drastic and explosive they can make their headlines, the more eyes they get on it, which makes their advertisers happy and makes them more money. If, if you ever want to learn how to how to market, you watch the news because the news is always negative. And uh, and I think that's what's going on now. I was talking to one of my agents this morning and she had sent me a screen, a little screen clip of a uh, it was some kind of show. I think it was out in Dallas. And they're talking about the real estate market crash, that prices are decreasing all over the nation. And that's what this national TV said. And and across the nation, I see prices continue to rise. Mm -hmm. or or at least stagnate like they're not they're not at least changing right and it's it's completely it's against everything that i'm seeing and them just trying to get attention and calling it a crash well and it's really adjusting but it's not crashing right and, and i think what we're seeing right now is more of a plateau of numbers right i, I agree with that yeah it's um it, it's something that that you're not only seeing in georgia but you're seeing it across the board when it comes to the United States. Um, but what you're going to hear is what, again, drives revenue. And that's frenzy, that's panic, that's stress. All of those things drive revenue. Um, and I think a lot of times what, you know, we saw when, when, you know, the time not to mention, which was COVID, during that entire time, what was making the most money? Scare tactics, absolutely. Yes. And so what's going to draw your attention? Exactly that. So uh, wh wh where are you seeing your numbers? Like, where are you pulling things from as far as, uh, you know, the numbers, as far as the plateau or, or still appreciation? Uh, I'm pulling mainly local stats. And I work uh, Coweta, Fayette, Troop. I work South Atlanta, all over South Atlanta. 
And one thing we're seeing, I did a market update this morning, so I'm very familiar in what the numbers are. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're seeing our inventory in, increase and we're seeing the amount of under contracts decrease. And, and pretty significantly, like we 59 more listings this time now than it was last month, and there's 55 less pending. So that equals about 100 more properties total uh, in the round. But what we're seeing as far as there's just a slight, there's a slight decrease, I'm talking about like three or 400 bucks month over month of sales. So it's, that's irrelevant in the grand scheme of things, because smaller houses, bigger houses, you know, that that sales, there wasn't a, a huge increase. But we are still seeing our average list price at 444 to average sales price at 445. So that's still telling me that we're getting over ask at least by a little on some of our properties. Yeah. And, and we're seeing we're seeing mostly the same thing. So we we've we've noticed a little bit of a decrease, but also an increase on on number wise um, as far as sales. And yeah. so that that does leave you to believe that there's still multiple offers out there. Right. We're not seeing a dozen, but we're seeing three and four. Absolutely. And which was just kind of changing the game um, on, you know, as far as focusing on the south side, on the north side, uh, we're still seeing, you know, 10 to 12, which is weird. Occasion, yeah. You know, there's there's certain properties that are just fixed correctly that are going to get the multiple, multiple offers. Right. But on the other hand of that, if, if, if you're just the, the normal three, two. There's still buyers out there. They're still trying. There's still demand. That's what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. And and I think if the right agent, the right agent is still getting multiple offers. I still get multiple offers on all of our properties is because we price them to get multiple offers. We market them to get multiple offers. We're just not one of these listed and forget it people. Yep. Uh, so so we're driving that demand, which drives drives attraction, which drives multiple offers. And the lower price points, I think that'll be the ones where the demand picks up the most because of what, what's going to happen is, is as the interest rates increase, affordability decreases. So the people, like our, our average price point is, is 444. So let's say the people looking under 400, they are now priced out of the market with the interest rates increase. So what's going to happen is the people that was 400 to 300 are, are no longer looking and the people 500, 400 are now looking at $400,000 properties. And it's going to be, a, we're going to see an, another stack up of properties because these guys have been looking at $500,000 properties for the last three months. They're not going to step back and want to pull the trigger on a $400,000 property. So that's going to allow the inventory to increase. And usually it's, it's about a six months. Then people are finally like, what is new becomes normal. And then they're like, okay, it's time to buy. Yeah. And then they get back in the market. So I think it's going to slow down before it speeds up. Yeah. I mean, and that's human nature, right? Once, once things become the norm or they become adjusted to, then at that point in time, you are now focused on what's in front of you. Um, and I, and, and that's, that's exactly what, what we've been trying to explain for the past few months. It's like, you know, yeah, there's going to be an adjustment. There's going to be some change, right? But, yeah, there's, there's, there's going to be that shift. But it's not going to be an 08. This is not a real estate problem. No. Well, even 08 wasn't a real estate problem. Uh, 08 was a mortgage-backed security problem being yeah. sold on the, on the secondary market, which affected everybody going backwards. Because what happened there, it wasn't a real estate. It, it was it was effect, Real estate was affected, but it wasn't the cause. The cause was the bank selling, selling bad securities as A-plus securities. So when that comes to market, everybody was losing their properties because people were just letting them go. 
right. and people were were buying them, you know, 110%, 105%. And, and it affected thing allowed inventory increase increase. So, you know, everything, everything decreases when, a, when, when the amount increases. Right. So if you were able to breathe on a mirror, you were getting a loan for what you wanted. Yeah, you don't even have to breathe sometimes, <laughs> but you know, and that, that's, that's the concept. So I think it's very important to uh, separate the two, the two thoughts, right? But the normal process of what a, a, a normal human is going to do is associate with what's happened in the past, right? Absolutely. If, if the only thing that you know is 08, then how, how, can you, how can you see this market shift any differently, right? Well, 100%. And they've only been like, they've only been like two instances, instances in the last 50 years where housing prices decrease total like there's dips they're always this but like year over year they decrease and that was like in the early 80s when interest rates hit like 14 15 16 percent they seen a decrease and then uh and then in 08 no 08 they saw like a 40 percent average decrease but again that wasn't a real estate that was an economical crisis not exactly a real estate crisis so when people hear they hear crash they hear recession a recession doesn't mean home prices are going to decrease because there's two things that usually don't change. Home prices normally don't decrease and rents don't decrease. So people who are not buying now are going to be stuck renting and the prices are going to continue to increase because they increase in inflation, but your, uh, your salary doesn't. That's right. That's right. And so that effect. Say that one last thing. What'd you say at the end? I think people have to start taking that into a, to effect instead of waiting. It's like, you, you better move. Yeah, and, and and a lot of what people need to come to grips with is you jumping into a mortgage and purchasing a home. That's going to come out to be, let's just say the average is a $300,000 house at the moment. Ballpark numbers here, so don't, don't quote me on this. Ballpark numbers, let's say you're spending $1,600 a month to get that three-bedroom, two-bath. That's a fixed interest rate. That's a fixed payment unless taxes change, okay? Whereas if you don't do this in the next couple of years, what you're going to be looking like in your rental is going to be, they're up, they've already touched $2,000 a month for a one bedroom, one bath, depending on location. Yeah. So expect that number to increase. So what sounds better at the end of the day, a $1,600 a month payment or a $2,400 a month payment with, for a one bedroom, one bath versus a three, two. And it's what I tell a lot of my buyers is the prices, prices rarely, I never say never, prices rarely decrease. So you can buy now at a crappy interest rate and adjust the interest rate when it adjusts. You can't, you can't go back 10 years and get a, and get the price of a three, two, but you can, you can wait for the, for the uh, interest rate to decrease to, to refinance and, and to re-square up and take care of all that. That's right. So yeah, you'll be making a higher payment for the, you know, for the foreseeable next few months but once those or a year maybe uh but once those those interest rates adjust and come back to what we're seeing now or lower you know you have the option to refinance and that's what a lot of people are not looking at i believe too and the interest rates are still historically low yeah they've just not been as low as they've been the last two years yeah and that's that's so hard for people to take a grips on because Oh, we waited on the market. We waited on the market. Interest rates came up. Oh, we're going to wait again because, you know, there's obviously an issue of someone wanting to wait. I had a, well, pe- people feel safety in waiting. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. But what's going to happen is I had conversations with people a year ago about buying and selling then. And they're like, we're going to wait for the market to dip. And I'm like, okay, great. You know, I've got a lot of experience in the market. I've sold over 3000 properties. Tell me what you're seeing that I'm not. And, and, you know, of course they ramble on with, with stories and feelings. They never talk about the facts and it's this. And I told, told them, which got a lot of them off the fence, but the conversation I had a year ago with people in the same situations you are now telling me they regret not buying and selling then. I said, me and you're going to have the same conversation in a year. Mm-hmm. I was like, the best time to buy was yesterday. The second best time to buy is now. Right. Right. Because again, I'm going to take it right back to you're getting in on a fixed payment. Absolutely. Right? The alternative is you're getting into a, a, a rental agreement with whether it's a property or, you know, whether it's a single family or an apartment. You're jumping into a rental agreement that is subject to change at the end of the agreement. Yes. And, and the and the demand is so high, it's going to change. Mm-hmm. Like I've increased my rents. I've got a about a, a 30 unit portfolio now. And my rents have increased pretty steadily in this last couple of years when people leave, like instead of the rents jumping, you know, 5%, you know, like on a $2,000, instead of it jumping, you know, another hundred dollars, we're raising four or 500 bucks because the demand is there. Right. But that's, that's, it's all because of demand and what's, what, what's happening, right? Because with appreciation comes a lot of that, right? It, 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 with appreciation, you have to look at, okay, well, the cost of, well, let me take it back a little bit. Appreciation and inflation happening at the same time, a mass inflation, it causes the cost of living, right? Not only for the person who is renting that home, but for the person who owns the rental property, right? As the taxes change, who do you think that, that, that cost gets passed down to? Not the landlord. That's right. And so- that you're going to see that commercial, you're going to see that residential. It's going to be across the board. So, how do you how do you solve that problem? What people need to realize too is is not only is it great to have a house to keep from, you're either you're paying a mortgage either way you're paying yours or you're paying your landlord's, but the one thing people need to focus on is is in a high inflammatory market which we're dealing with now. The biggest hedge of inflation is real estate because it it, it is an asset. And when inflation grows, so do the assets, but your standard of living doesn't raise, your your income doesn't raise, but everything else does. So people need to own a, a pro, at least a property they live in, much less a rental. You know, rentals are great, but at least their own. So at least that's hedging a little bit of their biggest investment they're probably ever going to make in their life. That's it. That's it. Because when it comes down to how much money you have in the bank, let's say you have a hundred grand in the bank. It, with inflation, you're looking at 80 grand in the bank. 100%. You have $100,000 in real estate, you're looking at 110 just based off of, you know, appreciation over, over a year. It's, and that's, it's a, that's a low, that's a low estimate. That's a low estimate. Yeah. That's a low estimate. Last uh, few years. I'm normally low last few years. Yeah. Uh, and so that's, that's the whole concept of what, what we try to pass on. And you and I have had this conversation a few times. Um, and it, it leads, to people being in a, in a constant state of fear. They're hearing this. They're looking at the market. They're seeing prices increase, decrease, or more so just increase. Mm-hmm. They're seeing the interest rates increase. So what happens? Like you, you get, you're like, okay, well, this has got to bust at some point. This is a keyword there, bust at some point, right? 
And then what is the, the what what if I said, hey Tim, this is going to blow up at some point. This is going to bust. What do you say? Okay, I say uh, okay. I, I can I can understand why you feel that way. Uh, but here's what I want you to think: If a balloon busts, why does the balloon bust? Too much air. Okay, so if we're going to talk about a housing bubble, what would make a housing bubble bust? Too many houses. We are at a housing deficit. Supply is so low. Like a balloon can't bust without too much air. We don't even have enough houses, much less too many houses. And in 08, we had too many. We were overbuilt. So we're like, as you stated earlier, we're definitely not going to be dealing with another 08. Right. And so, which also leads to answering the the problem with not having enough homes, right? Uh, we're starting to see a little bit of an uptick of, of, of a housing increase, right? More houses on the market. That does not even compare to the amount of demand that is still needed to reach that demand, right? The supply and demand is not there. Our, uh, our, our supply could literally 5X, 500%, and we'd still be in a seller's market. Like it, you know, you five exit. We're still like, and maybe not five x, probably three x now. But still, like a normal market for us, is probably seven hundred fifty eight hundred homes. Yeah. So we would have to more than triple for us to be like, okay, we're neutral now. We're in a neutral market. Yeah. Which a neutral market takes a property three or four months to sell. Which which is still a fun market because at the end of the day, now 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 you're actually, and we're going to talk about you know what kind of market that we're actually going to have to step into, and what that's going to mean for agents, but. Um, we were having a conversation with a few different builders. They're saying it's going to take almost eight years to actually meet the demand that is needed. For them to build enough homes from foundation up, it would take eight years to actually meet the demand that is needed currently. And that is currently, keyword currently, like we're not going, in eight years, how many 10-year-olds are going to be looking at houses? 12-year-olds, 13, 14, these people that are not even taken into consideration are now going to be buying houses. So the demand is going to continue to change. And some of these old houses are going to be torn down. They're going to be dilapidated. You know, it's, it's an evolution. It's going to be hard to catch up. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which leads us to, let's say we do catch enough demand. We do catch enough supply and things kind of become back to way that back to the way that it was, let's say 2000 and, Let's just go 2016, right? When when the market was not a heavy seller's market, not a heavy buyer's market. It was just one of the markets where things were just solid, right? You had a buyer, you had a seller, and then you had to negotiate with the other agent. When you actually had to do some work, right? I said the same thing. I say it in my meetings. I said the... What most of my agents are newer agents. I love training new agents. They're skilled. They're hungry. They come in, they work. I said, what we're doing is this, this market is for the non-skilled agent. I said, this market is for someone who will hustle and open enough doors and can write overpriced offers. That's what this is. The market we're getting into is a skill-based market. And I am super excited to be in a skill-based market because I am a skill-based real estate team leader. I, I push the, you know, the, the basics, the, the coaching, all of that stuff. So I heard an analogy the other day that we've been digging ditches in the mud for the last two or three, four years. It's easy. Everybody wants to do it. There's more real estate agents than there are houses to sell. But now we're in the hot Georgia clay. 
it is not fun. It's hot. The ground doesn't work. It's going to take us five times as long to dig the same ditch. People are going to leave. They're going to be, I predict, a mass exodus the next two to three years in real estate. As far as agents, we'll probably lose half of the agents, which those are the half that are not doing anything anyway. Right. But what that's going to do is that's going to free up the people doing onesies and twosies for people like me and you that are running teams that are creating, creating, creating systems, procedures, creating opportunities for other people. Those are going to be the ones that are going to snag those up. Yeah. And it's, it's going to take, it's going to take a certain level of uh, mentality because what, what people are currently used to, you know, a good agent right now that is currently used to the market that maybe stepped in, let's just say two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, someone that was new prior to 2020. Okay. That agent was getting the tail end of a really, really nice market. Yeah. And so they stepped in, they saw what was happening. They made a move. And then they caught 2020, 2021, and then now the current situation that we're in. So they caught all of that. They made, some de- they made a decent amount of money, okay? What they were not prepared for is what's coming down the line of like, hey, Tim, you have this house, so you have this house ready for sale, right? I'm a, I've, I've got my client. There's also three other people who want to make an offer. How do I actually have a conversation with you, build rapport with you, and then we are able to negotiate, hey, repairs, uh, home warranties. There's so many things that that are going to have to come into play now to where who's going to win as far as their client's aspect of things is who can actually negotiate and build rapport with other agents. And who can can relay the same information without being – offensive and we talked about it like that we started training my agents because because now negotiating is coming back so we have started training the level one of negotiating asking for uh, longer due diligence uh, not doing the appraisal gaps asking for home warranties uh, septic letters you know well letters those type of things are coming back so that's where we're starting with this and before long we'll be negotiating price and closing costs again yep yep and so that that'll be wild that'll be wild to see closing costs again um that that's something that that I'm intrigued on is how how soon does that actually actually come into play? Um, is that 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 changes? I think once you start getting, you know, repairs are pretty normal. We were still working with repairs during this time. What we did, what I haven't seen in a very long time, is that seller's concession, like that closing cost. That's something I have not seen negotiated for years. We were working them up until this last year. We would do it, but it would be the $300,000 house. We'd ask for three ten, dollars ask for $10,000. they would still get Playing the game. Yes. But yeah, as far as true negotiating the closing costs, you're exactly right. And, and that takes me to the, uh, the main thing is when we are, when we're working with agents, like I, if you're not selling at least a dozen houses a year, the market is moving too fast for you to truly give your client 100% of you and 100% of great information. So these agents doing two or three deals a year, imagine in six months from now, if the market continues to soften, somebody who was writing a month ago is going to come in and write an overpriced offer. Mm-hmm. And we're like, I mean, you're going to be like, what the hell? Like, why are they 30,000 above everybody else? Yeah. But that, that person will cost their client money because yeah. they're, they're, they're not, they're not trained. They are not versed and they are not active into the market. And it's the moment that you start seeing a market change and you have to figure out, okay, th- 
there's people out there that, you know, when, when all of this changed, there were Asians out there that, that jumped on it and they were just writing ridiculous offers. We're talking thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars above. And this is the only way, you know, telling the client that this is the only way to get this under contract, which then moving forward has to change the market to where we are now to where you're having to make a hundred thousand dollars above, right. Just to get it under contract and then work that number back down. Like, there's so much that was happening where there was agents that were coming in that were just at making ridiculous offers, then forced everybody else to start having to come up with, with, you know, a better offer. And one thing that when we started seeing that, because we really started seeing the same thing is people come in like $30,000 over. And I started telling all the, all the people working, you know, we work a lot of sellers. So all these agents come in buyers. And I'm like, if you are, if you are $3 above, ask you have to show up with a letter stating you have that much money to come to the table and you're willing to do so because we have so many people writing thirty thousand dollars offers and then then have an appraisal contingency and i'm like no no, that's that's not how it's not how this market is working yeah a lot of agents got upset but then those same agents started doing it six months later because they understood because we were doing so many volumes we were able you know we understood before they did yeah you you start pushing the market in a certain way and what was crazy was I, I was starting to see this as soon as, shit, probably 2020 was when, then the, what I've noticed is the north side of the market tends to catch things a little bit quicker than the south side. Absolutely. And so what, what I was seeing during like 2020 was that extended, you know, price point not catching the, 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 the appraisal contingency out, you know, there's so many things that were happening. And I was like, what is going on? Because when you bring on a listing up there and it was 30, 40, 50, 60 offers on a property. And it was, it was just insane. Absolutely insane. So, I, you know, taking it back, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be really, it's going to be interesting to see where, where we go for the next uh, few years, as far as negotiation wise. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, so is there anything else that you want to address as far as everything goes? I think that's the main thing. And the effect it's going to have on the real estate agents, real yeah. estate agents who don't align themselves with, with leaders, systems, procedures, and true lead sources will fail in the market that we're coming to. Yeah. And then make, make a note there that a solid read uh, lead source is not just an internet lead. Understand that there's, there's, there's a massive, miscommunication when it comes to the real estate and, and your real estate market. Uh, most people think that, you know, if you have enough money poured into internet leads that you will become some ultra successful agent, which is possible. But understand that with that, there has got to be a deeper lead source and there's got to be a deeper connection than just turning over internet leads. I have, uh, I've seen a lot of people who built a business on Zillow Premier and when Zillow switched to Flex, they didn't get the call, yeah. and their business suffered. Like they either they either crashed, failed, or had to readjust everything. Yeah, and it's you can't rely you can't rely on any one source. Period. You have to have multiple sources. That's right. And so you know, there's probably more of an in depth conversation that we should have later on once things kind of uh, come to a better point. But again, to to just reiterate what you said a minute ago. You know, it's going to be important to align yourself with solid teams 
solid leadership, solid mentorship um, moving on. Because if you've been in the business a long time, you, you understand that shit can get tough and shit can get rough. And it's important to be alongside the people that, that are going to be able to push you and, and show you how to get things done. And um, if you guys are interested and, and you want to talk to Tim, Tim, how do people get a hold of you? Uh, social media that the Tim Stout or Tim at TimStoutTeam.com. I interviewed an agent this morning who's been in the business nearly 20 years. One of some of my first deals were with this agent. And uh, so I asked her, I said, what, uh, why, why are you talking to a team? You know, if you've had this much experience and she's like, well, I see things that are changing and I see that you make things easier for your agents. And I'm like, okay, like, mm-hmm. I can see that too, but I'm glad people can see it through, through whatever means she did. She come up to that, uh, that, that idea. Confusion, yeah. Yes. That's uh, that's, that's, it's, it's going to get fun, man. It's going to get fun. Um, but with that whole, that whole conversation, I'm going to make sure that I put all your information down in the, uh, the bio Thank there. Uh, so people will be able to click, go directly to you. I'll put your, you want your email address in there? That's fine. Email and like Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. Okay. Yeah. So I'll drop your, your information down there. So if you have any more questions for Tim, uh, definitely you'll reach out to him and, and talk to him about that. Keep in mind that he covers, uh, what are your locations again? Uh, I've got East Tennessee, uh, location. We cover from Knoxville into, uh, Johnson city, mountain city, Tennessee. Uh, my, my, my location that I work in is I'm more South of Atlanta. I'm working, you know, anything from Coweta, Fayette, Fulton's, you know, South, anything from I-20 below. We don't, we don't go above it too much. Got it. And you also do a lot of stuff for, uh, people looking to get into rental properties and, and start to learn more about that, right? Yeah, that's my, 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 I got a huge passion with investing and I help a lot of investors and, uh, do a lot of, a lot of education for them, even coach a few, few investors. So, yeah. Sweet. Uh, so, you know, if you guys are interested and you're looking to get a little bit more information, definitely reach out to Tim. Um, and then obviously, you know, me, we cover North and South of Atlanta. Um, and uh, definitely, definitely there's going to be more of a conversation that we need to have as far as what's coming down the line, how things are looking, but definitely this is not a time to be worried uh, nervous. It's more of a time to buckle down and make the decisions that you know you need to make. I, I agree with that statement. So, uh, any agents, let us know. But again, with that being said, we do need to give a quick little shout out to our sponsors, uh, Jocko Fuel and OriginUSA.com. Uh, Go check them out. And when you do get to them and you see a nice pair of pants, or maybe you are looking to pick up some uh, energy drinks. You could definitely do that and get to checkout. When you do get to checkout, do not forget to put in this little code to get you 10% off. So it's G-R-I-N-D-10, grind in at checkout. Save yourself some money and get it done. So again, guys, we appreciate you. It's always a pleasure to jump on this, especially with somebody like Tim, not so much James. Um, and, uh, you know, be able to have these kind of cool conversations and, and actually bring some some solid knowledge for you. So again, we appreciate you. Keep spreading the word about us because that's how we grow. And again, Grinder out.